Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. We are in our third and final week of Generation Gap. I have absolutely loved this sermon series. Uh, It explores lessons that we can learn from our youth, and hopefully it will inspire us to try new things for God's kingdom to reach people for Christ. Uh, So far, we've looked at the importance of creativity and flexibility in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We've learned about the power of God's grace to transform our lives and then our actions into works for God's kingdom. Our creativity, such as art or even construction, uh, can be used in order to demonstrate God's love for people because we are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Our flexibility is necessary too in order to reach people where they are. Bridges, for example, are an interesting way to talk about the philosophy of flexibility. A bridge makes it possible to reach both sides and stand in the middle to see all views. Jesus is a bridge for us and God so that we are reconciled with God. Paul was a bridge for Jews and Gentiles, whose bridge will you be for Christ? Today we're getting really practical and our reading is a continuation of last week's scripture. So hear the word of God from 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. I think that there are a couple of points that we can glean from the scripture. Uh, First, practice makes perfect. In our video, Mark has amazing talent and I was actually fairly impressed with Dr. John and Sam and Dr. Todd. Um, I'm sure that Mark has quite a practice routine. A few weeks ago, one of our youth, a sixth grader, performed the prelude for the 820 service on Sunday morning. He played Chopin's Polonaise in A-flat major, Opus 53. It is known as the heroic Polonaise. This piece is very difficult and requires exceptional piano skills and virtuosity. In other words, it requires unbelievable determination and unyielding practice to master. While I was listening to Zoe play Chopin's heroic Polonaise, 
I remembered when I was a sixth grader and I played a Chopin prelude for a piano recital, the one in E minor, opus 28, number four. It is considered one of the most famous of Chopin's compositions. Why? Because it's the easiest piece of music Chopin ever wrote. Um, I was not one for practicing. I, uh, I know how to play several instruments, but none of them well, because I don't practice playing them. I, I am so amazed by our youth today. Uh, they are smarter, they are more talented than we were at that age. And we know that our youth are under a lot of different pressures socially than we were. The world is changing at an ever increasing rate, it seems. In our scripture today, Paul compares the journey of faith to a race or a boxing match. Now he gives us great advice in this passage, advice to practice our faith, advice to grow in our faith so that we have the stamina required to run the race of life and to finish strong for God. Winning a race or playing a Chopin Polonaise requires purpose, it requires discipline, and Paul uses this illustration to explain that the Christian life takes hard work, self-denial, and demanding preparation. As Christians, we are running toward a much greater prize, our heavenly reward. The essential disciplines of prayer, Bible study, and worship equip us to run with vigor and stamina. We don't merely observe from the grandstand and we don't turn out just to jog a couple of laps around the field. We train diligently. Your spiritual progress depends on it. These disciplines also strengthen us for the tasks of carrying justice to our neighbors and sharing our faith with people who need to know that God adores them. I'm not gonna take a survey to find out who all reads scripture daily. If you don't read the Bible daily, I would suggest that you find a reading schedule uh, like the one Dr. Todd put together for the church a few years ago. Bible reading schedules are also available online. There are even Bibles that are formatted with daily reading plans. The first time I read through the Bible using a pre-formatted plan for a year, it took me almost two years to finish. The point being, don't quit. Don't quit. Reading plans are not supposed to be tools of guilt. They're supposed to be tools of practice. So find one and use it. And I'd like to share with you a method that combines prayer, Bible study, and everybody's favorite spiritual discipline, journaling. Yes, the excitement is just, I can feel it. 
I call it the SOAP method. It's spelled like soap. We can spell soap, right? But it has a silent P at the front. And I use it with my reading for the day. It's super easy and it gets you into the daily habit of reading and praying and thinking and reflecting on God's word. And it goes like this, the silent P. Pray for illumination of the Holy Spirit before you read scripture. Something so simple, like gracious God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you open up my heart to receive the word that you have for me today? Something so simple like that. And then the S stands for scripture. Uh, for example, the scripture that we had earlier, um, the sentence that stood out to me was run in such a way that you may win it. Uh, as you study your scriptures that you read for the day, there's gonna be a sentence or two that jump out at you and that's your S. Like I said, when I was uh, preparing for this, it was run, run so you may win. What does that look like? The O stands for observation and it's contextual. For example, we know that in today's scripture, Paul's talking to the church in Corinth, which was facing numerous divisions, and he's comparing the life of faith to a race. And he's encouraging them to practice their faith diligently, uh, like runners trained for races. So pray for illumination, write that scripture down that's talking to you, and I already shared which one I wrote down. O is the observation, which is contextual. A, application. That's what does God want me to do or not to do? This is the reflective piece where you spend some time with God and that scripture and you chew on it. You chew on it and you pray about it and you listen for God. The final P also stands for prayer. Uh, you take your reflective part, the application, and you write a prayer using it. So if my scripture was run in such a way that you may win it, and I have my observation, my application, what does that look like for me, God? I would pray, Heavenly Father, help me to see what I need to do in order to run the race, in order to win it. What do I need to add? Do I need to add a new Bible study? Do I need to add a new outreach? Just something like that. See how simple that is? It's the SOAP method. Practice makes perfect. Uh, that leads us to our second point. Practice what you preach. In today's scripture, when Paul says he might be disqualified, he doesn't mean that he could lose his salvation, but rather he could lose the privilege of telling others about Christ. Uh, you know, it's easy to tell others how to live and then not to take our own advice. 
uh, we must be careful to practice what we preach. One of my favorite sayings of Jesus is from the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew 5 through 7. And it's the specific scripture, Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5, where Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Sometimes I change that word plank to a two by four. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a two by four in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take that two by four out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So let's practice what we preach. Let's say you know why being a Christian makes a difference in your own life. You've been training diligently. You worship regularly. You study scripture. You have an active prayer life and you enjoy helping your neighbors through outreach and missions. How could being a Christian matter in someone else's life? Think about your relationship with Christ, how you perceive it, and how you represent your relationship with Christ. For example, I have a friend named Connie who had a major God moment years ago when she saw a lighthouse for the first time. This experience has led her to collect lighthouses uh, because of the meaning for her personally that Jesus is the lighthouse and we are the little lighthouses displaying his light. And um, she describes her collection also as like an open door for her to talk about Jesus with anyone who comes into her house and asks about her lighthouses. Have you had an experience with God that has led you to a particular representation or understanding that you could use to talk about your faith? Uh, the more important your faith is to you, the more you wanna share it. We have hundreds of reasons to share our faith. <laughs> But the reasons have to be real enough to us that we say the reasons out loud. So, oh, this is an interactive sermon. <gasps> Turn to your neighbor and tell them where you have seen God this week. Go. Where have you seen God this week? Have y'all ever thought about that? Where have you seen God this week? 
Okay, congratulations. You just shared your faith. Okay. I hope that's uh, something maybe new to you and that you'll be looking for God all the time now because God is all around us. Uh, imagine that you are a glass or a ceramic pitcher and you'll only share your faith when you are filled up with reasons to help other people with their spiritual lives. If you believe that heaven or hell is a consequence of a decision to become or not become a Christian, that may fill your picture almost to the top. But there are other motivators for sharing faith. Um, mainly how our relationship with Christ makes a difference today. What is filling your picture to overflowing so that you will share your faith? Um, I have lots of wonderful examples of ways to engage your neighbors and friends. Uh, following is a list from the book, Serving a Movement, Doing Gospel-Centered Ministry in Your City by the late, great Timothy Keller, who was an author and pastor in Manhattan, New York, and recently died of pancreatic cancer. Here's some ideas. First, take walks in your neighborhood to meet others who are out and about and you keep a regular schedule and you go to the same places at the same time for groceries, coffee, shopping. And you know, I would also suggest that you pray while you walk or you shop. You know, not out loud or anything. Just walk around, talk to God with your heart and you will be amazed at who God will bring to you while you're in Walmart. I mean it. Prayer walks through your neighborhood. I have seen prayer walks transform neighborhoods. Um, but same time, same day, same schedule. It's very important. So people will see what you're doing and people will, will want to know what you're doing. Uh, here's another idea. Find an avocation or a hobby you can do with others in your area or city. For example, don't form a Christian backpacking club, join an existing one. Um, here's another idea. Volunteer alongside other neighborhood residents at nonprofits with other programs. Um, Tarrant Area Food Bank, I love them. It's so easy to volunteer at Tarrant Area Food Bank. You just register at their website and go. I've done it. Who cares if the other volunteers are all court ordered? Hello, people. Jesus did a lot of food ministry. How easy is it to connect the two? And lastly, serve in your neighborhood. Pick up litter 
regularly, get involved in neighborhood associations, find individual neighbors, especially elderly ones, and find ways to serve them. We gotta practice what we preach. There are so many ways to practice, so many ways to strengthen our faith in God, our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer, who loves us more than my words can begin to express. The Christian life was never promised as an easy way to live. The apostle Paul constantly reminds us that we must have a purpose and a plan because times will be difficult. So we engage in creative, flexible ways of sharing Christ with people who need to know that God loves them. Think of the difference that has made in your life. In closing, St. Teresa of Avila gives us this quote to ponder. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Let us pray. Beloved God, you understand us, every part of us, every action of our lives. You've been human and you know what it is. Thank you for your love and the difference it makes in our lives. Help us to be strong and faithful in our practice of faith. Help us to share our faith in you and our love for you with our neighbors. In Christ we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.